This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Celadon Books. From the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Silent Patient comes another spellbinding tale of psychological suspense weaving together Greek mythology, murder, and obsession. Mariana Andros is a brilliant but troubled group therapist who becomes fixated on the Maidens, a secret society of female students at Cambridge University. When one member, a friend of Mariana's niece Zoe, is found murdered in Cambridge, Mariana becomes convinced that Greek tragedy professor Edward Fosca is guilty of the murder. When another body is found, Mariana's obsession with proving Fosca's guilt spirals out of control, threatening to destroy her credibility as well as her closest relationships. But Mariana is determined to stop this killer, even if it costs her everything, including her own life. This book is The Maidens by Alex Michaelis, and you can pick it up wherever books are sold. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 104, and we are recording on Sunday, June 13th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra! Hey, Katie! Happy Sunday! Happy Sunday! Yes, it is It is a glorious Sunday outside, and it's not disgustingly hot like it's been the last week. <laughs> I know we complain a lot about the weather on here, but... Let's be real. It's it's gotten pretty gross. Yes, it's uh, it's part crime show and part weather show. So this is what you signed up for. It is what it is. But <laughs> it's been gross over here as well. And I, I know I've talked about this a lot, but the weather in the Bay Area is frustrating because in the morning it's cold, like cold where you cannot leave your house without another layer. And by 12 p.m., it's so hot that if you have your hair down, you have to dye it in this bun where not even a single hair can touch your skin. It's that gross. So it's it's been a frustrating week weather-wise. But yes, I'm happy it's Sunday. <laughs> I am in complete chill zone. I have my Coke Zero with me while I'm recording. I am ready to do this. <laughs> Yes, I have eaten my lunch. I've got I got up early. Well, I didn't get up early. Let's be real. What I consider early is not what normal people <laughs> consider early. Um, but I was able to get stuff done earlier than I usually do. And yeah, feel feeling kind of peppy today. I'm doing yes. I'm doing calisthenics in my chair that you can't see right now. <laughs> Yeah, I have a toddler and uh, she woke up earlier than usual. So we've been up since six. So I had a chance to do everything that I do like in three days in two hours. So yeah, it's I am energized and ready to go. Well, <laughs> more power to you. I'm, I'm glad you were able to get that much done with a wide awake toddler earlier yes. than who's up earlier than she usually <laughs> is. So yes, that we'll, we'll count that as a blessing. Yes. A win-win. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll take that positive energy. And you want to go ahead, give us our first sponsor, and then we'll we'll jump right in? Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Amazon Original Stories. Nameless is closing in on a revelatory endgame in this collection of short thrillers from number one New York Times bestselling author Dean Koontz. Behind a wall of amnesia, he can't remember anything. Maybe he can't bear to. Nameless only knows the mission that is directed by the mysterious Ace of Diamonds. He travels the country, turning predators into prey. But the pain in his past can't hold him back when dark visions of the future lead him towards his greatest test yet. 
Read Nameless Season 2, the second and final collection of short thrillers in a gripping series by Dean Koontz at Amazon.com slash Nameless 2. Prime members read or listen for free. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so delighted that you continue to show up despite our prolonged discussions of the weather (laughs) in two very different spots of the country. And like I said earlier, aside from the weather reports, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and anything that falls under that general umbrella, whether it's exploring a new subgenre or talking about movie adaptations or true crime documentaries or author read-alikes or whatever the case may be. If it's mysterious or suspenseful, we're probably going to talk about it. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is the part where we put out a call to our listeners to send us any suggestions that you have for upcoming episodes, because they really have helped us plan so many episodes in the past four years that this show has been running. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We'll have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about getting it all down when we read it off. You'll be able to find it later. We always just put the call out ahead of time to get those juices flowing and get you thinking about what might be fun to listen to. Even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that's fantastic. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join this fantastic community we have created. With that, I'm just going to jump right into our news section, which is all adaptation news. Like, that, we're, we're leaning heavy on the adaptations for this episode. So, first off, if you are a crime fiction fan, you are probably somewhat familiar with Patricia Cornwell and her case Scarpetta series, which has been running for... Oh, gosh, I don't even remember when the first one was published, but it's been going for 20 plus years, at least, possibly closer to 30. And her books have been picked up by Jamie Lee Curtis's production company, Comet Pictures, and they are partnering with Blumhouse Television to develop a one-hour TV series based on the Case Scarpetta character, who is a forensic pathologist, and it's going to be a serialized crime investigative procedural series. So... Nothing. We don't have anything in terms of who is going to play Kay Scarpetta, just that it has been picked up for adaptation. It's connected to Jamie Lee Curtis's production company. And fingers crossed, it should hopefully be really interesting. I've read a couple of the books, and I love me a good forensic thriller. And if that is also up your alley and you have not read Patricia Cornwell, this would be a great incentive to pick up one of her books and start reading. And if you are a Patricia Cornwell fan, well, you get to add this to your radar and get super excited about it. So we'll have more news as it comes out, but we definitely wanted to put that one on your radar. All right, and then and another adaptation news: the upcoming Alec uh, novel by Alex Michaelides, *The Maidens*. It has already been snagged for a series adaptation, 
The series is set to be produced by Miramax TV and Stone Village, and it's going to be penned by Morwena Banks, who is the writer of Damned. This book is set to be released by Celadon Books on June 15th. It follows the story of a girl at, in Cambridge University as she becomes obsessed with this trail of murders that keeps happening. And it has elements of Greek tragedy. It, it's fantastic. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with Alex Michaelides, which I don't think it's possible because he's one of his last book, The Silent Patient was actually on the NYT best-selling list for almost a year. And that book was everywhere. And um, his books, I was uh, very fascinated to find out that he actually has written a lot of screenplays. So he has written the screenplay for a couple of movies featuring Uma Thurman. I think that one's called The Con Is On. Then the screenplay for The Devil You Know that stars Lena Olin and Rosamund Pike. And if you are familiar with his work or if you're, you're looking to pick up his work, his books are very much, he knows how to weave a good story. It almost feels cinematic. I remember reading The Silent Patient and there's just like from the first page he grips you and until the end you just don't want to let go pretty much how you if you watch an intriguing movie. And it feels like that. So I am super excited. I am super excited for the book to come out on June 15th. And this is definitely going to be a series that's going to be on my radar. There is no release date or any casting information yet. But we will definitely share that with you as it comes along. But for now, this is something to look forward to. Yeah, I loved The Silent Patient. That was... That was a book that even though I've read a ton of psychological suspense novels, even by the time I got to the twist, because there's always a twist in a psychological suspense novel, <laughs> I got to I got to the twist. And I was like, oh, like I, I, I am both easy to surprise and not easy to surprise. And <laughs> like when I am surprised, I'm usually I'm usually like, oh, wow, wow, that's, you know, that was really cool. But because I've read a lot of them, I, I feel like I know all the tricks. And so I'm like, ah, it's probably this, ah, it's probably that. But when I read that one, I actually, I got to the end, I was like, well, I was not expecting that. And I really liked it. I've recommended it to a lot of people who have come through the library. So I'm very excited for the second one and for the adaptation. And then in, well, of course, more adaptation news. The novel The Pale Blue Eye by Louis Bayard is being adapted into a film. And what's really cool about this book is that the main investigator is a young Edgar Allan Poe, who is currently serving at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, and he's kind of investigating these odd murders that are happening. And so it's a historical detective novel, but if you are really interested in Edgar Allan Poe, or if you like like those those dark elements that he adds to the story, this novel brings in a lot of that and really weaves it in in a really interesting way. So the movie is going to be directed by Scott Cooper, and it will star Christian Bale. Christian Bale is not playing Edgar Allan Poe. He's playing the detective who has actually been assigned to investigate these cases. And then Harry Melling, who was in The Queen's Gambit, is playing Edgar Allan Poe. Oof. And as soon as I read that, I looked at a photo and then I was like picturing Edgar Allan Poe in my head and I went, yeah, I can see that. 
<laughs> so this one sounds really, really interesting. And if you're a fan of dark, gritty, historical mystery novels, you'll definitely want to read this book. But also if you're a fan of gritty historical thriller films, you'll probably want to put this one on your radar as well. So very, very excited about that one. I think he would make such a fantastic Poe. Now I just, all of a sudden, I can't picture anyone else. Yeah. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I am excited for this one. I, I actually was taking down the title of this book as soon as while you were talking about it, because this sounds amazing. All right. And then lastly, I wanted to throw this one in really quick, even though it is technically horror adaptation news, but it is Stephen King. We talk about Stephen King a lot on this show. And I was just so excited to see this. So there's going to be a remake of the adaptation of Christine, which is one of Stephen King's classic older novels about the evil car, <laughs> or the possessed car that forms a really creepy attachment to its new owner and then tries to kill anyone else who gets in the way of the relationship between this guy and his car. The book is really, well, the book is really good. I have not read it probably in close to a decade, so I do need to reread it. The movie I tried, the original adaptation, I tried rewatching recently, and I only got about five minutes into it. And I, because I had seen it before, and I just, and I, and I watched it again, and I was like, I, I couldn't stand the male teenage characters. <laughs> so I just like, okay, now I'm just skipping this one. But this new adaptation is going to be directed by Brian Fuller. And I am so excited. Brian Fuller created Hannibal, which if you've listened to the show oh, before, yes. you know how much I love <laughs> Hannibal. And he also did Pushing Daisies. So he, he has quite a range. <laughs> I'd say. In terms of his directorial resume. But yes, yeah, so I saw Brian Fuller is going to be directing a Stephen King adaptation, and that was all I needed to know. So again, we don't have much news beyond his name being attached to the new adaptation, but I am so excited for this. And when I read it, I immediately texted my husband because he too loves Brian Fuller. And I was like, ah, Brian Fuller's directing a Stephen King adaptation. He was very excited as well. So when we get more news, we'll let you know. But over here, I'm just going to be doing quiet little Muppet arms in my seat. Absolutely. I. This might be a little controversial to say. Please don't at me. But I prefer to experience a lot of Stephen King through movies rather than books and here's why just because his books do tend to be a little long-winded and it can they could be a bit of a uh slog you know <laughs> slog and for instance it uh, it one it do so it's i think it's a thousand page book oh yeah it, it is it is long and but i love 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 the latest adaptations the first and the second movie i love them but I just know that that's a book I'll never pick up just because, oh my God, the thousand pages of clown terrorizing a small town is not what I want to spend my thousand pages on. So yeah, so I am looking forward to this one. I've never seen the old uh, adaptation or read the book. So I think this would be the first time I'm going to experience this. So I'm excited. I enjoyed Hannibal. Not as much as you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> no one enjoys Hannibal as much as me. But I definitely, I, Brian Fuller's ability to direct a story shines in that show. So I am excited for this one. 
Yes. And don't worry, I will not write you off for not <laughs> being able to read Stephen King's books. Because yes, even even for some of his fans, some of his books are like, oh my gosh, you could have cut this down by a couple hundred pages. Yes. So I totally, totally understand. And yeah, the only problem with Stephen King adaptations is that some, while some of them are absolutely fantastic, some of them are laughably hilariously bad. Yes. So <laughs> I just hope that you only experience the good adaptations. Yes. <laughs> some of the remakes have not been. For instance, Pet Cemetery, I feel like, is one that could have been not remade. No one wants to see that movie twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the original Pet Cemetery, yes. but the new one, I was oh sorely God. disappointed in that one. That was it that was, was a waste of an hour and a half of my life. That was not needed. That was it was an adaptation that was not needed. Thank you very much. No. But yes, moving on. <laughs> All right, so that ends the adaptation news for this episode, so we should be done with that. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into the main discussion topic for this episode. So most of you are probably aware that June is National Pride Month, and so we always, every year, we try to focus primarily on mysteries and suspense novels with LGBTQ characters and or authors who identify as LGBTQ. And obviously, these are books that can be and should be read year round. But because June is such a big month for these types of books, we just kind of want to jump in and lean into that and recommend some really good queer mystery and crime novels for you. So we talk a lot about the website Crime Reads on here like a lot. They're just such a fantastic resource. And they recently published an article. It's 24 queer crime novels to read all year long. And these are all books that have been released or are coming out in 2021. So if you're looking for some new releases, there's some really, really good books on here. So we'll post a link to this in the show notes. But this would be a great resource if you're looking to pick up some newer novels with queer characters or written by queer authors. So, yeah, okay, so I feel like I've been talking a lot, Nesra. Why don't you why don't you go ahead and uh kick us off? Yes, so my first pick was an author i I, I cheat a lot in this discussion segment, but whatever the author I picked was Sarah Waters, and Sarah Waters is a pretty familiar name in uh, especially if you are a fan of historical fiction, historical fiction set in Victorian England or just historical fiction in general but for me, especially when I wanted to read one of Sarah Waters' works, it was, for me, the question was, where should I start? And that's sort of why I picked her today, just because, so Sarah Waters does identify as queer, and most of her books, they feature queer or lesbian characters. And she uh, she's spoken about it multiple times about how, and she was writing these books in like 1980, I think 1980s, 1990s, and her books were always... If you're looking for an atmosphere, if you're looking for a mood, Sarah Waters is who you turn to. Her works range anywhere from around 250 pages to 600 pages. So the two that I've picked today, they feature queer characters. They are so intricately plotted. you That's the thing with Sarah Waters novels. You have to give her a bit of time. But when you give her that time, oh my goodness, the payoff is amazing. So the first book that I picked 
was Affinity. And this is uh, one of her books that is on the shorter side. It's 350 pages. And it tells the story of an upper-class woman who is recovering from a suicide attempt. Her name is Margaret Pryor, and she's begun visiting the women's ward of Milkbank Prison, which is one of Victorian London's grimmest jails. And as part of her rehabilitation, she uh, has to interact with the people who have been convicted in those jails and try and work with them and understand how she can help them get to where they want in the future. And while in one of her visits, she becomes uh, fascinated by a spiritualist named Selena Dawes. And she was imprisoned after a seance she was conducting that went horribly awry and it left an elderly matron dead and a young woman deeply disturbed. Margaret is very skeptical of Selena's gifts, but as you read along, you find out there's this unraveling that ha- that happened and that keeps happening throughout the story and to the end where you actually find out what really happened, how did this really happen, and there are elements of the supernatural woven in, and you're almost never sure. So does Selena really have those gifts or does she not have those gifts? Who, what Does she have someone who is helping her from the outside? Did she have reasons for doing what she did? So it's a mood. It's almost a journey. And one of the amazing things about Sarah Waters is her books are not just historical fiction that glazes over the reality. So when you think of Victorian England, uh, you always think of, you know, oh yeah, I want to read something said in those times. But she actually goes in the details of what it was like for most people living during those times and the conditions they had to endure and the classist society that existed at that time. So there's also a very rich commentary in this work. So it's fascinating and it's just absolutely amazing. So this is if you if you're looking to start with Sarah Waters, if you have maybe, you know, wanted to and or just haven't picked her this work yet, I highly recommend it. It's Affinity by Sarah Waters. Yeah, I, I've read one Sarah Waters book, and that was The Little Stranger. And what you said about atmosphere and supernatural, is it, isn't it, and it just straddles the line between you're not quite sure what's going on, and it brings in all these other elements. Like, I loved that about The Little Stranger. And so when you're talking about this with affinity, I'm like, okay, I need to add this one to my reading list, too. That sounds amazing. All right. And before I jump into my first pick, let me go ahead and do our second sponsor, which is sponsored by Amazon Publishing and the book Beneath Devil's Bridge by Lorith Ann White. More than two decades ago, respected family man and guidance counselor Clayton J. Pelly confessed to the brutal murder of teenage student Lena Rye. But why he killed her has always been a mystery. Now he's revealing all to true crime podcaster Trinity Scott. Clayton says he didn't do it. Was he lying then, or is he lying now? As her listeners increase and ratings skyrocket, one thing becomes clear. Clayton is not the only one in this small town with a secret. Read Beneath Devil's Bridge from Amazon Charts bestselling author Lorith Ann White at Amazon.com slash Beneath Devil's Bridge. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. So actually, that gives me a great segue (laughs) into my (laughs) next book. And if you listen to... Our last episode, we talked a lot about fictional crime novels that incorporate true crime elements like podcasts and that type of true crime investigating and other things like that. So if you were interested in that topic, this, the Beneath Devil's Bridge by Laura Ann White, would be a great one to pick up. 
And so would my first book that I'm talking about, I Hope You're Listening, by Tom Ryan, which also incorporates elements of a true crime podcast into the story and does it really well. So this book I actually heard about from Jamie, who does the mystery newsletter at Book Riot, and she posted about this book on Twitter. And this is a young adult crime novel, and she said it was just, it was the kind of book that would keep you up reading way past your bedtime to try and finish it. And I was like, well, that's the kind of book I want. And she was 100% correct. Like, I didn't have to stay up past my bedtime, but that was because I started reading at like 7 o'clock and then finished it by like 10. So this, this book was so, so good. So the author, Tom Ryan, identifies as gay. And the main character in the book, Dee, she is also gay. And so that that's why I picked it for this episode. But this is one of those books where the character's orientation does not really affect the story in any way. That's just part of who she is. The story itself, it takes place when Dee is 17, but she is known in her town as the girl who wasn't taken because 10 years previously, she witnessed the abduction of her best friend, Sibby. They were taken in the woods while they were playing in a treehouse and they took, they took Sibby, but Dee was, was left behind. And so she's had to deal with that kind of guilt and she's had to deal with those types of questions because when she was found, the police were asking her, okay, what happened? But she doesn't remember. She can't remember. She doesn't know who the people were that took her friend. She doesn't remember any details that could lead them to her. So for 10 years, this has just been a huge mystery. But as she got older, Dee kind of deals with this uncertainty by creating a true crime podcast called Radio Silent. And she disguises her identity, she disguises her voice, but she brings to light real-life missing persons cases, and she has created this community of online sleuths, I think they call themselves the Laptop Detective Agency, but she works, she kind of works with the, the people who listen to her podcast are interested in solving true crime, real life true crime cases, the cases that the police haven't been able to solve. And they've actually been able to find missing people and reunite them with their family, solve these, solve these cases. And so she's been doing this as a way to kind of combat the guilt that she wasn't able to do anything. She's like, okay, well now, you know, maybe I can help bring some other people home and bring some closure to some of these stories. But as Dee does this podcast, there's another young girl that goes missing, not in the same town, and not only in the same town, but it's a new family who moved into the house where Dee had been living when her friend was abducted. She and her family moved out shortly after that, but this family has just moved in and now their young daughter has gone missing. And so now she's like, oh crap, what do I do? Because if she highlights this case on her podcast, it could expose who she actually is, which she's, she's worked really, really hard to keep her identity a secret. But there are possibilities that the case is connected to her best friend's disappearance. And so she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, how to navigate this. This book, oh my gosh, it was such a lightning fast read. Like, I just tore through this. The podcast element was super interesting. I also 
thought was was interesting when they they have some flashback chapters with Dee and her friend Sibby going into the woods, like leading up to when Sibby is abducted. And it had such a strong vibe of In the Woods by Tana French. And I'm not just saying this just to bring Tana French into every discussion, but the the story there where the main character's friends disappeared in the woods, he was left behind, he can't remember what happened. Like, there are so many elements that just draw so strongly on that Tana French plot device and I just thought that was super interesting. But the characters are really interesting. The story looks at the ways in which crime impacts everyone, not just the victims, but the families, the communities, and how we're all affected when something happens in our communities. And like what the draw is of listening to these true crime podcasts or following these stories and how for a lot of people it's the desire to like put some good back into the world and you know try to bring justice and bring closure to these cases where there where there isn't any and i just thought it was really really well done i really loved this book so again it's called i hope you're listening by tom ryan i have a lot of feelings right now first of all (laughs) I love the mystery news book right mystery newsletter. It comes out every Wednesday and Friday, and it is one of the highlights of my day. So the picks that Jamie has in there are absolutely fantastic. And secondly, I also put this on my radar after reading it in the newsletter and after seeing Jamie's tweet. And now you've spoken about it, and I just absolutely cannot wait to get to this. <laughs> Definitely put it put it on your list, and it's such a fast read that you'll blow through it so fast that you won't even have to worry about how much time it takes to read it, because you'll just power through. My soul is ready. <laughs> With that, I'll jump into my second pick, which is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. And before I move forward, I will say that this does have elements of horror in it, but our show is called Red or Dead, so I just associate that dead with horror as well. So <laughs> There's dead people accounts. This is where we are at, oh, at this point. But <laughs> so but this one also it has that dual timeline and then it has this it has a mystery at the center of it, which is why it counts. And the author, she does uh, identify as gay. And this book has a lot of queer characters. And just like uh, with Katie's last pick, the fact that they're queer is not part of what propels the plot in any way, but it's just, it's just, that is just who they are. And it's a fantastic read. It's a, it's a bit on the long side. It's around 640 pages, but I do not kid you when I say these pages just fly by. So just a little bit about the story. Our story begins in 1902 at the Brook Hunt School for Girls. We have Flo and Clara, who are two impressionable students, and they're obsessed with each other and a daring young writer named Mary McLean, the author of a scandalous best-selling memoir. And to show their devotion, the girls establish their own private club and call it the Plain Bad Heroine Society. They meet in secret in a nearby apple orchard, the setting of their wildest happiness, and which ends up also being the setting of their macabre deaths. Their bodies are found later with a copy of Mary's books played beside them. And it seems like they've been the victim of a swarm of stinging, angry yellow jackets. So... And after five years, the school closes down. And now you fast forward a century later when the abandoned crumbling Brookhands is back in the news because we have Merritt Emmons, who has published a breakout book around the history of it. 
and now it has inspired a controversial horror film. So you, so what's happening in this book is you're getting the story of Flo and Clara and how what exactly happened to them, but in between you're also getting story of this production, this huge production that's happening, and the actresses who are playing Flo and Clara. So you're also getting this back end Hollywood feels to it about what's happening. There's tons of nostalgia. There's also elements of satire, but then there's also very smart commentary about gender roles in general and what it's expected of women. And it's it's very smart. It's very smartly done, but it's also very, very fast paced. You, It's a big chunker of a book. And with big books, the thing is you have to want to keep returning to them if you want to, you know. And this was a book, I did not read it very fast, but I always looked forward to opening back up to where I had left off. And if you also like books like The Secret History, where there's this dark academic setting and you're just their young, impressionable minds and they are, they they have no sense of, you know, I feel like one of the things that makes academic settings so intriguing is because you're in that middle period where as an adult, you know, there are different boundaries and as a kid, there are different boundaries. But with these, you know, college settings, there's this middle period where like you're almost free to do anything you can. Don't do that. You're not free to do anything you can. (laughs) But there's this, uh, but there's this idea that, you know, like that anything can happen, that we can cross any set boundary that we want to. And there's a lot of that happening in here. There's a lot of like treading of what's expected of them and what they actually end up doing. And the elements of horror are not, you know, jump scary type. It is, if you are a bit squeamish, I would proceed with caution, but it is very well balanced. It is very well written and it's so, so enjoyable. So again, that's Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danford. Oh my gosh. I had that book checked out from the library like several months ago and I just was not in a reading mood at all and I never got around to it and I felt so bad. And I just keep hearing so many wonderful things about this book. So I'm like, okay, let's get in a reading mood. I'm going to check it out. and I'm going (laughs) to read it this time. (laughs) All right. My second pick is Last Call, A True Story of Love, Lust, and Murder in Queer New York by Elon Green. And I will preface this by saying I did not have a chance to read this book because my ebook hold did not come in on time. So this one is still, unfortunately, has a status of TBR. But this was a book I was interested in when we started talking about new books coming out this year. So it's a true crime book, and it talks about the crimes of the last call killer who preyed upon the gay community of New York City in the 80s and 90s. And this killer had all the hallmarks of the most notorious serial killers that everyone in America knows, you know, Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy and like all these other people. But because of the fact his victims were pretty much exclusively gay men, the sky-high murder rates that were happening in New York City just in general, and the AIDS epidemic, which was really reaching its peak during that time period, these crimes and these murders have basically almost been forgotten. So the reason why I wanted to pick this book was because I believe that one of the the most important things that true crime writing can do is 
is, like I talked about with the first book, but highlight the cases and the crimes where there wasn't closure or where the victims have been forgotten or where the people who were who were killed or whatever the case may be, if they were part of a marginalized group, their lives and and their families and everything just it's so easy to forget about them. And I think true crime writing, when done properly, makes sure that we don't forget. And that's what this book really seems to do, like highlighting this crime spree that should have been seared into our memories as as a very memorable crime spree, basically. But because of all these other things, it's a part of history that most of us don't know anything about. And from what people have said who have read the book, they said that this book is so gripping, it reads like a podcast. So again, continuing with this podcast theme, but it's just this absolutely gripping story that most of us are going into without any kind of preconceived notions. We don't know, you know, because we don't know anything about it. So hopefully my copy of the book will come in soon. But again, that is Last Call, A True Story of Love, Lust and Murder in Queer New York by Elon Green. All right. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I hope you get to read it soon so that you can put some pressure on me to read it (laughs) after you. But that is it for our discussion today. We have, like Katie always says, we have barely scratched the surface. There are tons of books out there by LGBTQT authors that feature fantastic characters. And we will make sure that we link some more resources for you guys in our show notes. But for now, let's move on to our new releases. So I'll kick it off with one of my favorite authors uh, that I also made Katie Force read <laughs> is Laura Lipman's Dream Girl coming out June 22nd. And if you're not familiar, Laura Lipman is actually one of the first authors who made me fall in love with the crime genre, with the mystery genre, with the suspense genre. And she has such amazing range. She can do intense character study driven mystery novels she can do books with a noir theme and she can do historical fiction like lady in the lake i believe was one of her Mm -hmm. recent ones that was fantastic and this one seems more along the line of going to say contemporary mystery but more but also with a sense of mood because that is just who laura lipman is and this is it's a novel that will make you question everything. Um, after an accident leaves author Gary Anderson housebound with no one for company but his assistant and his nurse, he finds himself rattled by a call from a woman who claims to be the lead character in his book. But that character isn't real, and when he tries to get to the truth behind who made that eerie call, he quickly discovers his sanity may depend on him unraveling this mystery. It sounds fantastic. It sounds a bit like Misery by Stephen King, but without the rats and the hammers. But let's see. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Dream Girl by Laura Lipman, and it's coming out June 22nd. All right. Yeah, that one sounds amazing. And I agree, does have, it, it has strong Stephen King elements, both with Misery or with his novella Secret Window, that also has... It has, like, a fictional character come to life and makes person question their sanity storyline. And, okay, so my pick for new releases is What's Done in Darkness by Laura McHugh, which also comes out on June 22nd. And Laura McHugh, I read 
her book, The Weight of Blood, which came out, I think, probably like 2014, something around there. And what I loved about that book is that it had such a strong, like, true detective, true detective season one. <laughs> Let me be clear. True detective <laughs> season one feel to it. And that was right when true detective season one came out. And I just thought it was a really, really great book. And this one sounds like it has more of the same elements. So again, just sounds super atmospheric. So yeah, it's called What's Done in Darkness, and it follows 17-year-old Sarah Beth, who has become increasingly rebellious since her parents found religion and moved their family to a remote Arkansas farmstead, where she's forced to wear long dresses, follow strict rules, grow her hair down to her waist, and she's all but given up on escaping the farm when a masked man appears one stifling summer morning and snatches her out of the cornfield. A week after her abduction, she's found alongside a highway in a bloodstained dress, alive, but her family treats her like she's been tainted. And there's little hope of finding her captor, who kept Sarah Beth blindfolded in the dark the entire time he had her, never uttering a word. But one good thing that arises from this ordeal is a chance to leave the Ozarks and start a new life. Five years later, Sarah Beth is struggling to keep her past buried when investigator Nick Farrow calls because he is convinced that her case is connected to the strikingly similar disappearance of another young girl, and Pharaoh wants Sarah Beth's help, and he will do whatever it takes to get it, even if that means dragging her back to the last place she wants to go, which is back to the hills and hollers of the Ozarks to face her estranged family and all of her deepest fears. So this book has blood ties and buried secrets and nightmarish past ordeals and missing children and it's oh and it's because it takes place in the Ozarks it just feels like it has that true detective feel to it the the isolated community with dark secrets and it just sounds so fantastic so again that's called What's Done in Darkness by Laura McHugh and that comes out on June 22nd so let's let's go ahead and finish up so Nazra what have you been reading anything recently? I know life has been kind of bonkers for both of us the last <laughs> few the last few weeks. Yeah, so uh, this is actually so I recently started uh, a new job, and one of my favorite things is just getting to find out you know what people like to read. And one of my colleagues actually recommended this book to me, and I checked it out from the library, and it is absolutely amazing. It's called What Comes After by Joanne Tompkins. So. My colleague recommended it to me, but then I have another friend who's a huge Donna French fan, and she talked to me about how the first half of the novel feels is the closest any author, in her opinion, has come to actually replicating Donna French's style. And when she, when I read that, when I saw that, I was sold. And I, I am, I'm just a few pages in, but I hundred percent co-signed that statement because it's very much. Dana French, I feel like, has this style that you can't put your... It's hard to pen down what she does so well, but she just does it. It's an experience. It's a feeling, not so much as a thing that can be narrowed or put in a box. And this novel, uh, especially the like part that I am in, does that very well. Just a little bit about uh, the novel. It's after the shocking death of two teenage boys, there is a part of community in the Pacific Northwest. A mysterious pregnant girl emerges out of the woods and into the lives of these same boys' family. And what happens is the, the two boys are from two different families and both we see how these two families are struggling 
with grief and how the death came about. And then you just follow as, as you try and understand what is happening, how, how that, how the event came about. And then this pregnant girl emerges from the woods and, and she becomes entrenched in the, in this family stories. And that's all I know so far, but I am, it's so, so well written the Pacific Northwest. I lived in the Pacific Northwest for uh, two years. Port- I live in Portland, Oregon, and it has a very specific feel to it. And this novel is capturing that feel. It's Pacific Northwest is a whole character in this book. And it's just so, so good. And I'm so, so excited to continue on with it. So it's What Comes After by Joanne Tompkins thought the name of that book sounded familiar and I was like oh I just saw an arc of that book but I have to check if it is actually in my house or if I left it at the library hmm I shall have to track this down but yeah (laughs) I mean obviously you had me at ton of friend to read alike so (laughs) I'll be adding this book to my list so yeah for me I the I hope you're listening is the one book I managed to finish um in the last couple of weeks but I have picked up a couple of books that I'm about halfway through and I'm very much enjoying. So the first one is Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo, which I think I talked about on my most anticipated books of 2021. It is definitely pretty far on the horror side of the spectrum, but it involves a police officer investigating murders of children. So I 100% say that it is appropriate for this podcast. So yeah, Children of Chicago, it's, there are these teenagers that are turning up murdered in some of Chicago's hardest hit neighborhoods. And the, and the teenagers tend to be black or Hispanic and part of the, of the community that doesn't get a ton of attention or police resources in terms of bringing killers to justice. So there's a strong social justice element in the story. But as the main character knows, the murders are not being committed by a person, but rather a supernatural being, which is basically a terrifying version of the Pied Piper from like, from old fairy tales, where you where he promises to fulfill a service in return for payment but this this guy or this creature whatever you want to call him he is providing services in where he will kill someone at your request but you have to repay him in blood by killing someone else and it's not just one person he keeps coming back and back and back it's someone described it as it's like grimm's fairy tales meets candyman meets slenderman And I was just like, well, sign me up. (laughs) And it is delivering on all of those elements. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, So that's Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palaio. And then I am listening to A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate, who I read her first book, Reconstructing Amelia, which was unbelievable. That's another really good pick if you're looking for a book with queer characters in it. But this is her latest one, A Good Marriage, and the main character is a lawyer in Brooklyn, and she is asked by one of her old friends from law school to represent him. He's in jail, and he believes that he's about to be charged with murdering his young wife. He says he didn't do it. She doesn't want to represent him. She thinks, oh my gosh, so many conflicts of interest. This just sounds like not the type of thing I want to get involved in, but she ends up getting pulled in. And so the question becomes, what happened? 
what you know what happened to his wife and it's so it's like a legal thriller but also a domestic thriller where you're looking into the lives and marriages and relationships of very 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 wealthy people in Brooklyn <laughs> and so this is very much kind of like a rich people problems <laughs> kind of book which sometimes i am totally in the mood for sometimes i'm not i am totally in the mood for this for this book and it's been so so good on audio so again that's a good marriage by Kimberly McCrae Oh, my, a good marriage, I remember, is... I think there are multiple narrators for that one. Yeah, there's one. two it's narrators. Yeah, it's a fantastic audiobook. Uh, I, I agree. I co-signed that. And for Children of Chicago, I love how we're normalizing horror on our show. It's murder, people. Like, you know, there is, like, you know, dead people. So, you know, horror is part of our show now. <laughs> so that's just where we are. In small doses. Yes, <laughs> in small doses. But with that, that's our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. We appreciate you, Jen. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations, more bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback, show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>